Welcome to On Tangent, where online marketing, entrepreneurship, and life collide. I'm Maida, your online marketing bestie and fellow entrepreneur. It wasn't long ago that I was a corporate slave shackled by golden handcuffs. But now I get to run a flexible, fulfilling business that allows me to make an impact that extends far beyond me. Here, we believe in the power of free-flowing conversations and unfiltered discussions, where every topic is fair game, and there are no boundaries and no limits. Join me as we dive into conversations that will equip, entertain, and inspire you throughout your entrepreneurship journey with a dash of humor, lots of curiosity, and a touch of unpredictability. After all, life and marketing is full of surprises. Ready to join me? Grab your coffee or tea and let's get chatting. Hello and welcome back to another episode of On Tangent, my friends. Today we're talking all about how to write SEO-friendly blog titles. I know that SEO a lot of times can be a really tough conversation or like tough topic to have or conversation, I would say. And a lot of times it could be really confusing with where you're supposed to put in your keywords, like what are the standards and all that stuff. But it gets even more convoluted when it comes to blog titles. So today I'm talking to our expert in-house content writer, Celine, and she is the guru of all things writing and SEO. So we're going to talk to her about SEO-friendly blog titles. But before we do that, we're actually going to kick off our segment, our new segment called How We Would Market That. So today's segment, Celine, are you ready for this? Let's hear it. (laughs) It is, how would you promote a line of perfumes for skunks? So are these perfumes for skunks? Like the skunks wear them? Yes. Yes. Assuming. Okay. So I guess based on that question, let's get through our ideal client avatar, right? Like our ICA. Who who are we targeting here? Skunks. (laughs) Exactly. Skunks. I would say like, let's get more specific as far as maybe their demographic, their psychographics, like things like that. A lot of times what we do recommend when you are working on your own business or when you're working with a client, you want to get so, so specific with your ideal client avatar to the point where you could like step into their shoes and feel what they feel, think Uh what they think and all of those things. That's what's going to help you get the best messaging. So I guess maybe let's try that. Let's go through trying to identify this target audience right because skunks is like a broad term and not every yeah. skunk would be the same right so yeah some skunks are bougie and some are not you know exactly so are these <laughs> the bougie skunks who want to smell good i mean i guess is that the point is it to smell better or is it to be more skunky <laughs> <laughs> actually that's a very good question because to be skunky it's to like deter predators or danger predator yeah so let's just have fun with it let's do the opposite like let's say they want to be more sophisticated they don't like okay how they have this reputation of being stinky these are bougie skunks yeah exactly and maybe they're like they're like young adult skunks okay no i was gonna say the same thing because i was like okay if they're bucking the norm that probably implies that they're a lot younger or at least 
less traditional. And so usually that skews a little bit younger, like Gen Z skunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, let's go with that. All right. Gen Z of skunks. All right. Okay. That's who you're targeting. That's who we're targeting. That gives us a general age range that tells us a little bit about how they approach things, like what they talk about, where they might look, like whatever trendy mm-hmm. spots. <laughs> so I would say like, so then you now you're getting into the psychographics, right? Mm-hmm. Like how do they behave? How do they feel and all that? And I feel like when I think of Gen Z, even like human Gen Z right now, I'm assuming they're kind of like confident. They want to stand out. They're playful. They want to have fun. Right. They're funky. Like they just think outside the box kind of thing. Yeah. And so you have to find. And when you take that and kind of apply it to your messaging, you want to find the words, the way they talk and all those things that resonate with them. Because then otherwise it just comes across as, you know, that meme it's like that dude with the skateboard oh my god oh how, yeah how do you do <laughs> young kids <laughs> i know what you mean yes yeah all right yeah i think those are really good i think like what are the things that what i would want to like go over next would be what are the things that they value in life mm-hmm. right so yeah Gen Z skunks, they want to smell better. They're confident, they're playful, they want to stand out. Mm-hmm. What are their values? I mean, maybe cruelty free? No animal testing? <laughs> no skunk testing? <laughs> Volunteers only, skunk approved. Yeah. Like clean ingredient type of. Yeah. Like natural or like. I don't know if organic is the right word for this, but yeah, kind of playing in to the sustainability part of it. Like, I know that's a big value that a lot of people have these days, just kind of like as awareness grows and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think in this case, especially for like a younger generation, just in general, like I find that brands are doing a lot more. I don't want to say value based selling because that implies like the value that the thing has for the consumer, but like selling based on the alignment of like moral values almost, if you want to call them that. Like, yeah, what is this brand? What is this company? What is this perfume doing to the world? What is it contributing? In this case, it's helping, maybe it's helping skunks feel more confident. Uh-huh. It's helping them break sort of, what are they called? Stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe another thing that it's doing is like, I don't know how skunks attract mates today, like in real life, but let's just assume... <laughs> For the purposes of this exercise, maybe the fragrances are going to help attract mates. Right. Like pheromones or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a good way maybe to like express themselves. That's a good one. The individuality because we're not selling them socks or clothes. Like this is just a different way for them to stand out. Yeah. Because like they're associated always to this like nasty smell. So like what if they can start smelling different, right? Like if you smell nasty, then oh, you're like an original. You're like a basic skunk (laughs) (laughs) no basic skunks here (laughs) but yeah it opens up the possibility for a lot of this playfulness too right like yeah we can bucket that way like getting rid of old trends yeah yeah which gen z skunks would love (laughs) what do you think is their current 
frustrations, like their pain points? Because so far we've talked about their demographics, psychographics, their values, their, some of their goals as far as like they want to express themselves, they want to attract mates. But we always also want to know what our ideal client avatars, frustrations and pain points are because then you can shape your messaging from a point of desire and a point of like wanting to leave something behind. Like you mm-hmm. want more of X and you want less, less of Y. Of- yeah. Yeah. So what do they want less of? Like the pain and the frustrations? Well, I feel like maybe they want less of that association with the stinky smell, I, I guess, mean, and all yeah. the stuff that comes with it. And they want more of the opportunity to sort of set the stage for themselves as opposed to being boxed in with whatever associations already exist. That could be one angle that you take for it. I mm-hmm. know. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that, actually. I think that's probably what it is. That's what I had in mind, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That, I think, is a good chunk of your ICA bio. I think, obviously, you can get way more detailed still right. as far as, like, what words would they use? Like, what would actually come out of their own mouths kind of thing? Yeah. So, like, if you think about your own small business, you know, coming back into the real world, <laughs> if you're <laughs> thinking about your own small business, like, listen to your customers, see what they're actually saying, and then Use those phrases and those words in your own marketing to message so that it can like really hit home with them. Right. So like that we could add to our little like paper like sheet about our ICA. The little character sheet, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Character sheet. There we go. Yeah. But you always start your research with a hypothesis, right? Like because if you don't, you'll be Googling stuff about skunks and your ideal customers all day. So. (laughs) It always helps to kind of go through these exercises and think critically about what is the solving? What are their problems? Where would they be? Because it's a good starting point. Because even if you're totally off base and you find, oh, I'm wrong, at least you started somewhere and you can refine that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. I love that advice. Let's close this out with like a, what do we think their tagline would be? Well, that's hard. Something about smell. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like a good smell word. Your true essence. There you go. Your, I like that. Find your inner essence. <laughs> that sounds yeah. like, remember those really old perfume commercials that were like black and white and on the beach and someone was whispering into the microphone? It reminds me oh of that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. I feel like that's kind of coming back with the whole car, commer- like not commercials, but like the influencer car commercials or car reels. I have Where they like, they like tap on the car oh. and then they keep. Oh my god, I don't ever see those like straight up like the original sources. I only ever see people parodying them, which is the funniest yeah. thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I think the ones that went viral, which are the ones that you're talking about, is all I've seen too. Oh gosh! All right, um, I think that could close out our segment of how we would market that. Let's get into our actual topic for today, which is. How to write SEO-friendly blog titles. So in this segment, I'm going to interview Selena. It's going to kind of run more like an interview. I'll have some questions ready for her and she'll explain and all that. But I kind of want to start us off by maybe having you explain to us, Selene, what SEO is and why it's even important in general, but also like why blog titles, which is like the topic for today, why we're really trying to hit home. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. So SEO in general, it stands for search engine optimization. And basically what it is, is all the work that you do in your content, on your website, in descriptions to optimize anything that you make. So I'm going to approach this sort of from like a website perspective, because that's sort of inherently where I do a lot of my SEO work and where I do a lot of like blog content. But yeah, so it's everything. It's all the data, the titles, the words, the way that the page is set up and the different tags and stuff that you put onto a piece of content so that it's easier for search engines to look at it and understand it and serve it up to the right people. So a really, really reduced explanation of how we'll, we'll use Google as an example, just because it's probably the most common, maybe the biggest, except for maybe Bing, depending on who you ask. And but you're saying, sorry, you're saying Google or Bing are the search engine. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So those are the, those would be my frames of reference. I know Google a little bit better than Bing. So <laughs> some of my answers will skew that way. But so the way that it basically works is that Google or the search engines have these things called crawlers or spiders, whatever you want to call them on the internet that basically go through all the new URLs, pages and stuff that exists that comes out and they crawl through the page. They look through the content. They look at all the tags. So things like H tags, like heading tags, all of those exist in HTML to sort of provide a structure to the web page so that those little crawling robots understand what's happening on the page. They get the data and then they understand, okay, this is about this keyword. Here's the topic. This is what, you know, this is all about. And so when someone searches for a specific keyword and it's like, hey, I saw a blog or this blog has all of this relevant information, I'll put that on the search engine result page or the SERP. And that's <laughs> how it decides sort of how things get brought up to like the results in a really, really reduced tiny nutshell. <laughs> yeah, no, that was perfect. I think I can imagine these like I was like picturing little spiders just crawling. Yeah, I, that's how they're, they're referred to sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of helps me like visualize what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I guess to that point, can you walk us through what some key elements are that you focus on typically when you are crafting blog titles for, yeah, for SEO? Yeah. So mm -hmm. blog titles specifically, they are probably... One of the hardest things whenever it comes to content, <laughs> at least for me. So mm -hmm. whenever I do any sort of content, but especially like when you're trying to get someone's attention, like on a blog, what you're trying to do, since I do a lot of text-based content, what you're trying to do is kind of balance serving a human audience so that people that you're actually trying to get in front of and read this, to read this blog, this title and anything else that you make, and then making it understandable for the robots. Because if you go too far one way or the other, if you go too far to serving like humans, you might end up with people reading it and understanding it and absorbing the information that you want, but it's not going to be served to them because the robots don't understand or the search engine doesn't understand like, what is this about if it's not structured properly? So I think some of the biggest key elements for an SEO title are making sure that your keyword or your key phrase or a synonym is somewhere in the title. And then making sure that it's eye-catching. This sort of depends on your audience, right? So for more technical audiences, you want to be specific and provide some insight. Not necessarily in the title, but you need the title to be indicative of what's actually going to be in the blog. <laughs> and what I, what I mean by that is don't be clickbaity. It works sometimes, right? Like 
you think of all the BuzzFeed articles and all these things. It works for some markets, but not necessarily all of them. So that's where it's helpful to sort of know what your audience is sort of expecting. And then you also mentioned synonyms. And Uh I want to know, like, how close to the actual keyword do you have to be? Like, how far can you go before it's too different for the word to be the same, I guess? Yeah. So there is some sophistication to the way that, like, search engines understand key phrases. I don't have, like, a whole lot of... I don't know how to explain it, really, but there are certain keywords and there are related keywords. So let's say you have like a focus keyword, but you have like a synonym in your title. That'll still kind of like count towards it because it's on the same topic. It's talking about the same thing because what Google also doesn't want and something that they'll penalize is something called keyword stuffing, where you use the same exact keyword or key phrase or whatever over and over and over and over again as is. Usually what that ends up with is some really like really stilted, not very natural sounding, kind of difficult to read writing, which it'll penalize anyway, because, you know, once like a human reader lands on that, they'll be like, what is this? And then click off. And so the whole point is to make something that's useful. And so that's why there's like a decent understanding around synonyms and how they work and why how they work together. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be exact. So, for example, if you have a plural or the words are in a different order because it's like a phrase, you'll be fine. And then, you know, these search engines also understand that like certain words and terms, if they're searching for one, they're also probably interested in this. So like when you see, for example, in a Google search, like you search a question, you know, that little suggestion of like drop downs with other questions and stuff. Yeah. That's like a good indicator of some of the things that Google groups together when someone searches for whatever you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. I love those things, actually, like, because then someone will have asked a question that I didn't even, like, think of. Yeah, right. Or it gives you um, a different angle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then how important is it for the keyword placement in a title? Like, is it better to have it at the beginning, the end, or the middle of the title? Or does it not make a difference? Ooh, I think wherever it makes the most sense, like, semantically. I'm hungry. I don't think like the placement of it really, really matters as long as the title itself flows as a title. Like I wouldn't just, for example, if you're doing something for a cybersecurity company and the keyword, this is a terrible keyword. It's the only example I have is cybersecurity. It doesn't have to be cybersecurity colon and then the rest of your title, right? Like (laughs) if it makes sense to put incorporate into a sentence or put it at the end or whatever, that's all fine. As long as it doesn't get cut off. So Uh as long as someone can see it, before like the dot 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 for a long title that you see sometimes you're good oh interesting okay i didn't know that so you want it to be somewhere in the range where it doesn't get cut off but it really doesn't matter if it's in the beginning the middle or the end kind of thing yes as long as the end doesn't trail off (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah okay cool that makes sense and then how do you make sure that a title is like specific enough to rank for like competitive keywords and stuff but also broad enough to appeal to the actual readers? It's a good question. So that's sort of where understanding how your keywords are related to each other and specific like synonyms and phrases, related phrases really comes in handy. So you can pick, for example, you have like a set of keywords in cybersecurity that are all related, right? Like cybersecurity, pen testing, vulnerability management. Make sure (laughs) that the keyword you're trying to rank for is like the main topic of your blog and then like you make sure that there's 
enough context. Really, like the way that I approach it is I make sure that the piece of content that I'm writing is useful for readers. And by readers, I mean my target audience. Mm-hmm. Because if I make it useful that way and I have like a specific like intent focused keyword in mind, it's automatically specific enough to meet their needs. And I don't have to worry that someone's going to land on this and then bounce. Right. Yeah. And so hopefully by focusing on it like that, everything else for the SEO kind of falls into place. Like the way that I approach SEO is I take the human side first, I guess, if you want to say that. Like I want to make okay. sure that it's useful because besides all the technical stuff for the SEO, And all that part of the ranking is how people interact with your content. Do people actually click on the page and stay there? Because if they click on it, scroll through it and then leave, it count it's counted sometimes as like a bounce where they it's not really like a good thing because that Mm -hmm. means they landed on that page and they didn't find what they were looking for. So then, you know, the search engine sees that as, okay, then this doesn't belong highly ranked for this thing that they searched. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So then the advice then here would be to keep your readers in mind first and then try to be specific or like try to be obviously talk about the competitive keyword that you're trying to rank for and be specific enough that it makes sense both ways. Yes. And then if you're ever like if you ever feel stuck on like a first draft or something, honestly. I wouldn't even worry about trying to put the keyword in there at first. I would have it. So what I do when I make a blog, right, or when I'm here, right, doing a piece of text-based content, I have the keywords that I want to target sort of just floating at the top, just as bullet points so that I remember this is what I want to talk about. Because it also helps me stay focused on the topic as a whole if I don't have like an outline beforehand. Right, right. And what I'll do is I'll write the whole thing so that it's useful, so that it answers the question that I have in mind for the audience or the reader. And then, you know, once I go through it to edit it, make sure I don't have any typos, didn't accidentally trail off somewhere and didn't finish sentence, then I will insert the key phrase or a synonym for the key phrase into places where it makes sense. So I try to put them into section titles where it makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, I'm not going to shoehorn it in there because then it's, at least to me, now that I've spent all this time doing stuff like this like it becomes really obvious when someone's just trying to rank for a keyword and they're not helping me you know as a reader yeah yeah like if the blog title doesn't read like something you would actually say out loud then exactly probably is not a good idea yeah okay yeah that makes total sense what the next question i have for you is what are some common seo title mistakes that you've seen um, other content writers make or maybe that uh-huh. you've done in the past who knows oh yeah that like <laughs> actually that actually like hurt search performance yeah so we've actually I've kind of we've brought up a couple of these examples as we've been talking but things like keyword stuffing where you just throw the keyword in there as much as you can whether it's in the title in the section titles throughout the whole thing like there's a balance between keyword for this thing called keyword density which is how often that keyword appears in your blog post there's no like hard and fast rule for how often a keyword needs to appear but if it's appearing a suspicious amount it's kind of like a red flag for the search engine too and then there's a good chance that it doesn't read very well either like sometimes you know you search for something like how do i do blank and then you land on something and it's just it mentions that phrase how do you do blank this is how you do blank in this article we'll talk about 
how the steps behind blank blank, you know? So that's one example where keyword stuffing, you just use the keyword too much. And maybe it comes from like a good place, right? Like you're like, you're thinking, oh, I need to make it really obvious that this is, that's what this is about. But there is a fine line between doing that a good amount and doing that too much. And then <laughs> same thing with like the titles where the whole title is just the keyword and it's not very compelling. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of the pitfalls are focusing too much on the keyword and not enough on the usefulness of the content itself or the eye-catchingness <laughs> of the title, yeah. like making it an exciting title because you want someone to be like, yes, that's the solution to my problem, not just there's my problem. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I guess like how long should an ideal blog title be, you think, for SEO purposes? And does it vary by niche or like by intent, do you think? Sort of, kind of. So I think we talked earlier about this, about making sure that the title doesn't get cut off. I think the cutoff is around 50 to 60 characters or so-ish. Mm -hmm. So just in terms of like pure character length, that's about the aim that you're going for. But I would say just because there is so much content out there, there's so many, especially now that people are using like AI to just generate and pump out content left and right. like you're better served being more specific in your title than not. And so <laughs> if specificity means the title is going to be a little bit longer, it's better to do that and be clear than to try to shorten it just for the sake of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that is such good advice because I think I've read some blog posts where the title was like, so you think you want to do this? So let me tell you, like, you right. know, it's like a right. two sentences of a title. Yeah. And they're just trying to make sure that the keyword is kind of sandwiched in there is yeah. really like the goal for those yeah. types of titles. And and like, don't forget that your title and your meta description, you work in marketing, right? Like you're not just doing content. Well, maybe you are. Maybe you're doing content for the sake of content. But usually the whole point is to drive awareness to a brand, to your website, whatever it is. You, the stuff that ends up on the search engine result page, your blog title and your meta description are sort of the first impressions that you will make on someone. So take that as the marketing opportunity that it is to make it eye-catching, to try to stand out and be helpful. Because I think when you think about blogs, you're looking for things that are helpful, not just another content mill piece that has the keyword that I'm looking for and is wasting my time. I mean, if you think about it too, like when you search the internet for something and uh -huh. you are really like reviewing blogs, blog posts, either you're trying to get like the recipe for something and it doesn't have to be cooking. Like, right. I want to know, like, what do I need to include in my uh -huh. resume, for example, right? Like, yeah. what's the actual recipe for the resume? What's how do I do this? How do I do that? So it's like people that come to your blog is because they want to know the specific details and information and an itinerary. Like I want to know what I should do, do on my trip for day one, day two, day three. Like they're looking for specific help and not just like general stuff. Uh -huh. So the more you can like get it structured, the I kind of lost my train of thought, but <laughs> but. <laughs> But yeah, like the people that come to your blog, they are ready to like learn and ready to potentially take action on something. 
So you want to keep that in mind when you're writing your blog post too. Yes. It's not just stuff with keywords. Exactly. And to that point too, sort of as you figure out where you, your business, your service, your product, wherever it is, falls in someone's like journey to something. Like for example, let's take the travel thing. If you're a travel agency, you're probably hoping that people a little bit further along in choosing a travel agent or finding a place to, to go, like they're further in that journey than I think I want to go somewhere. But part of the strategy too is maybe you do some, you know, broader content for those people. How do I pick? where I want to go next. And you can do some advice there. And that kind of leads to like an SEO strategy where you have a lot of content to go with someone through the whole buyer's journey from awareness to the point where they're ready to make a decision. So depending on like the tools you use, like SEMrush and stuff, it can give you some some indicators about whether this is like just an informational focused keyword, like people who look for this keyword are just looking for information Some of them are transactional, where if people are looking for this, they're ready to make a decision on purchasing something or they're getting closer to that. But also, you don't need like a fancy tool to do that. Like think about it from the perspective of your ideal customer profile, persona, avatar. What what questions would they ask that would lead them to this point? And when you're making like a specific blog post or the title for that blog post, At what point in the buyer's journey are they? Mm -hmm. Is this going to make sense for someone who's further down the line? Or is this better for someone who doesn't really know what they're doing yet, but we want to get in front of them now? Yeah, I love that point because just like any other bigger marketing strategy, your SEO strategy has to align with the buyer's journey. Because like you said, like if someone comes to your blog, but isn't necessarily ready to book something, they need other content pieces of content to like prepare them like move them along that Mm -hmm. uh, customer journey right to educate them so that they get further along because if they don't get the answer that they want they're going to look they're going to keep looking right like they're going to need that background information so they can either get it from a competitor or they can get it from you exactly (laughs) yeah and i know you kind of mentioned SEM rush really quick but on that note, what research do you typically do to identify like the best keywords that you want to target? And like, how do you decide what your keywords should be for that blog post, for example? And then to then also obviously put it in your blog titles. Yeah. When I think about what blogs I'm going to make for a company, first you look at what keyword, like you look at your industry, you look at your competitors. What keywords are they going after? Do any of those make sense for me? Some of them will, some of them won't. Then you take those and you think, okay, are the people searching for these part of my ideal customer profile or are they a subset of kind of like this general market space that I'm occupying and it's good to get in front of them, but they're not exactly who I'm targeting right now. So really it all comes back to the ideal customer. So for example, if you're targeting specifically developers, let's say you're a software company, you're targeting specifically DevOps people who are having problems with, I don't know, deployment cycles. It's inefficient. They need a better way to coordinate all these different things. That's a very, that's a much more specific set of topics that you will want to talk about than if you just said, I'm targeting software developers in general, right? Because there are all different flavors of software developers. And that goes with any part of your audience, right? Whether it's finance, there's lots of different flavors of finance. They could be CPAs. They could be in-house finance people for corporations. So it starts with 
Who are these people? What are their problems? What am I trying to solve for them? And then as you sort of ask yourself those questions, sort of like we were talking about with the skunk example earlier this episode, <laughs> you start to form a hypothesis of, I think I want to go after these people for for the business. Like they're the ones that are going to be most likely to find use in this product, service, whatever. And then you kind of start to look, okay, here's what I think they'll be looking for. And then you can take those keyword ideas, phrases, whatever, and plug them into a tool like SEMrush, Ahrefs. There's all sorts of different resources out there that kind of do the same thing where you start with a keyword or a key phrase that you think is a good one, and it'll tell you what the traffic for that is, and then it can show you related keywords and key phrases. Because what comes out of one of your ideas might be, oh, they actually talk about it like this, or there's all these other related keywords that aren't necessarily on the same topic, but in the same like area of the buyer's journey, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that it always comes back to your ideal client. Yeah. Because like, at the end of the day, it, you're, it's for them. Right. Like your entire business is for your clients, for your customers. So always really got to have to, you know, you have to lead with your ideal clients in mind. Yes. All the way down to your SEO strategy. <laughs> yeah. Because I've seen a lot of, even back when I was newer to this, to the SEO and keyword research and stuff, like I used to fall into the trap of, well, we're a software company that does this. Let me just look at all of the long tail keywords that are related to that. And it's crazy because you'll end up, because that's a huge net, right? And you will just end up with a long, long list of keywords. You'll probably be overwhelmed and you'll probably end up picking and choosing things that don't really align. So especially if like you're a smaller marketing team or, you you know, you're your own business, you want to spend your time where it matters, right? So focus on the people that you want to sell to or the people that you want to get in front of. It's easier to pick out relevant keywords from there. <laughs> yeah, you got to have your strategy be targeted directly to them. Exactly. Okay, so I got one last question. I, I know we talked about like, your like the character word count and stuff like that that you mentioned earlier in a blog title but beyond that and beyond like keywords what other seo factors do you consider when when writing a title because i've heard things like use a height or like a dash not a semicolon because google picks up on one over the other better or like you know just rumors of things Mm. like that is that true like what are your thoughts what do you think That's a good question. So usually when I make a title, there are two versions of the title. One is what appears on the blog itself. Usually that can be a little bit longer. There's a little bit more full. I can do whatever punctuations I want in there because it's on the page. Someone's already clicked on it and landed on it. I think if you're trying to make a title and you're trying to use a semicolon in 50 to 60 characters, is there a simpler way for you to say it? (laughs) Yes. Like ask yourself, is there an easy way to do that? I don't know... If it's true that semicolons versus dashes versus whatever works better, I know for a URL that that will play a factor. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the title that appears on the search engine result page, not entirely sure. I try to just make a title for the result page as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. Because then there's a better chance that someone land on it, like quickly kind of get the gist of what that blog post is about and then click on it. Yeah, that makes sense. And I would think like keeping it simple is probably the best way to go if you can avoid any punctuations 
then you probably should. Like if I, again, if I read it out loud and it doesn't really sound human, then well, yeah, I'll probably edit that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Like search engine result page titles, like SEO titles are not the place for complex sentence structures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was exactly. an English major and I love my complex structures, but that is not the place for them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is all the questions I had for you for today. Thank you so much for letting me grill you. Yeah. Today Happy to was... answer questions where I can. <laughs> yeah. All right, friends. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a fellow biz bestie or a friend so that you can help us reach them <laughs> with our message. All right. See you guys next time. 